Welcome everybody to Black Coffee and Theology. All right, everybody, welcome back to the pod. And I am joined by uh, a special guest, a friend, uh, Marla Taviano. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Robert. I'm super excited to be here. Mm, I'm excited to have you, friend. I uh, saw a bit about how I uh, how I have interacted with you and engaged with you, and then I'll let you talk about yourself. I uh, met Marla, as I have most guests (laughs) that have come on this podcast, through the uh, cesspool that can be Twitter. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and I feel like it's been like two years at least and I experienced you first as just being like really curious open questioning on just different posts and I was like wow that's really dope like I really appreciate um, just that heart within somebody that hasn't figured it all out and is asking questions about everything Right. And um, and the second thing that I would say uh, that I love is that you really do champion others. You uh, really, really make it your ambition to amplify the voices of especially Black people. Uh, And for that, I am ever grateful, (laughs) um, inspired, touched. And I... Yeah, in a world where uh, people proclaim themselves as allies and uh, that thing is short lived, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I really have experienced you as being consistent and in the way that you really um, sit with the stories of Black people, amplify our work um, throughout the range of like methodologies and theologies or whatnot. You really have been consistent. And so thank you for that, truly. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Truly. (laughs) Um, I, yes, we met on Twitter and I don't know when it was either, but I, the, my first memory is of you saying that your reading had been lopsided. Like I will Mm, never forget that. And that it specifically, um, that you had not read a lot by black women, Mm -hmm. um, is what you said. And that, that resonated with me. I was like instant connection because um, my reading also <laughs> had been very lopsided. And um, I'm older than you. I'm 47. I've been reading since I was four. And when I say reading since I was four, I mean like reading every single day <laughs> since I was four. Um, Love to read. And it wasn't until... Um, like five, six years ago that I I even realized that I had been reading primarily white authors. Um, And we can get into that later, but that that really changed my whole entire world. Like it really, it changed everything. Um, So yeah, that was our connection. And when you talk about me um, championing other people, that, that's my, that's, that gives me more joy in my life, I think, than anything else. And, um, a hero to me in that respect was Rachel Held Evans, who um, uh-huh. she's, I owe her, I mean, I dedicated my my first book that I just l- last year to her, dedicated that to her because 
she changed my life personally in that we were like the same kind of person growing up, like super zealous for Jesus and telling people about him in our public school and just on fire, knew everything, thought we knew everything. <laughs> and then she started waking up to things. And when I, like her first book, when it came out, scared me to death. Like I, I think I started to read it and I couldn't because she was saying things, questioning things. And I thought, this is not just someone coming out of the blue. She was all in just like me. And if she's having these questions and then I'm in trouble. And then at some point I decided, well, Hey, I just need to read this. What if she's right? Like, what if these things are right? I, I need to know. Um, so she just set me on this path that changed my life. And then we were kind of championing people at the, the same time. Um, probably she was a little ahead of me on that too. Um, but yeah, she's just, it, that, that's, it's what I want to do. And I love that I have an opportunity to do it. And yeah, and I know you do it too. Like it, yeah, it's something we, we share in common. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, so a question that I tried to ask uh, everyone who comes on is, how would you describe yourself? You know, what, uh, what things are important about you to you? And how do you show up in the world? Yeah. Um, well, like I like I said, I'm a reader. I'm a writer. Lover, learner. That's what I would say. Reader, writer, lover, learner. Um, I, back in the <laughs> back in the day, I would I used to define myself. I realized as wife, mom, and child of God. Um, I'm divorced now, so I'm not a wife. Um, I'm at a little separation period from God. <laughs> We're trying to figure that out. Listen, so, <laughs> so I've still got the mom title. That is very, very important to me. I have three um, young adult. Well, my youngest is, I have three daughters who are 22, 20, and 17. And I have a son-in-law. Um, and currently we all live together in the same house. I've been divorced for almost three years now. Um, and so being a mom is a, it's a very um, important thing to me. I love my kids. I like my kids. We have um, so much fun together. We have grown so much together. They got front row seats to me, um, whatever happened to my faith <laughs> from mom being on fire, white evangelical Christian to eh, not sure what's happening now. So they've been through, through that whole entire thing with me. Um, but I just, the lover part, um, not a lover, like as a, like a one person that I am a lover to, but just my whole thing now is, is love. Like if, if something isn't loving, I don't really want any part of it. And that's a big thing that made me start waking up and eventually walking away pretty much from Christianity was that of all the talk about love, I was not seeing love. And I had people even actually say to me, well, Marla, sometimes love feels like hate. And I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> no, I, I'm not really into that kind of love. If, if, if the love I'm showing to someone feels like hate to them, eh, no, I don't care what the Bible says. Um, that's, that's not love. And seeing love 
and showing love and being love and receiving love. And yeah, that's, so if I had to pick one word, it would be that one, but mm. that reading and that writing and that learning and that unlearning um, is all a big thing. I, I, I do a lot with my mind. I am currently at this stage in my life trying to get in touch with my body more um, yeah. in addition to my mind. Cause I have a, I've had a long time tendency to just hang out in my head <laughs> and I know um, that my body is important and I know that I need her um, if I want to keep reading and writing and learning all those things. So, yeah. yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, on, the, on the table today, we are discussing, among other things, <laughs> uh, your new book coming out, Jaded. Mm -hmm. And I had the privilege, the honor <laughs> to read you know a draft you know before it as it makes its way towards completion yeah and I am excited for it you know I I got your original book Unbelieve uh at the beginning towards the beginning of the pandemic and now at this stage here we are at Jaded and I want to read a piece of it just to enter us into conversation about it <clears throat> all right is called jaded. <laughs> so <laughs> adjective, <laughs> tired, bored, or lacking enthusiasm. Typically after having had too much of something, made cynical by experience and over it already, but also can't seem to let it go. Talk to me about those words because I have thoughts on it, but I want to hear your thoughts <laughs> on it. Um, yeah, so unbelieve um, that I self published that in um, September of 2021. And that was a five, six, seven year process. I had been writing. Um, I have some books out in the world that I don't want people to read that were back from my super conservative Christian days. But um, Ooh, we bless. I <laughs> 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 Can't we keep going oh, towards evolution? Like, whoo. oh man, I just sometimes I Cringy. just can't believe they're out there. Like, people can read them still. Um, but so as my faith started shifting, I started waking up to things. Um, I I wrote about it naturally. That's what I do. And the more I wrote, the things would just keep evolving and changing. I couldn't keep up with it. And long story short, I decided at some point to turn it into a kind of poetry. Um, it's kind of chunky poetry. People have called it prose poetry. Um, and it's, it's not my whole entire story because poetry doesn't tell a whole entire story, but that's, that was, that's what was my hang up. I can't tell this whole entire story. How do I do this? And so then I realized, you know what, let's let that go. We don't have to do that. So I, I did that. So unbelieve it's poems on the journey to becoming a heretic. And I, it's very much my story of having questions, uh, questioning things that I'd held to be absolute truth for my whole life and waking up to my whiteness and white supremacy and just all of these things. So that was that. And then my plan <laughs> was that I would write a follow-up book and that would be me moving into everything, beautiful, wonderful freedom on the other side of this white evangelical Christian indoctrination. Well, as I sat down to write that, I, there was just so much 
and I have poems in Jaded about that, but just so much going on in my head and my heart, so much going on in the world. Like not even for a second, we could not get a break or a breath from white Christian nationalism and just everything that was happening and happens on the daily for the last 400 years. Um, and then the things in my past kept creeping up that I was realizing, oh, I, I'm, I'm still traumatized by things that were done to me or were taught to me in my past, mm. but even worse, um, things that I did or said to other people because of that. And I never want to blame that on what I was taught while also realizing I believed I was doing the right thing. I believed right, that yeah. I was loving people. I, I really honestly can say that I believed that. Um, and I'm not saying that every single thing I did in my life was out of, of course, love. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. Um, but much of what I, what I wrote, what I told people, I would go speak to groups of women about how to love their husbands unselfishly and blah, blah, blah. And this was just what I thought was true. So I started to realize I can't move into this, this happily ever after book yet that I want to write until true. I deal with some crap. And so jaded is what came out of that. So that's why what you just read, um, made cynical by experience and over it already, but also <laughs> can't seem to let it go. And I don't, hmm. I don't believe that, um, I will probably ever quote unquote, let it all go. But what I know is you can't move forward in anything without dealing with what has happened in the past. And that's what we're seeing, yeah. like specifically with, with racism in the US is that a lot of white people are like, okay, fine, that's in the past. Let's start over right now, January, 2023, and let's just move forward and love yeah. everybody. And you're like, oh, that's, that's not how any of that <laughs> works. True. And um, so this was me kind of just dealing with a lot of that and did I get it all out? No, there's a poem at the end of the book because the, the subtitle is A Poetic Reckoning with White Evangelical Christian Indoctrination. Mm. And I say that um, it, it's more, this is not a, it's not over. It, this is a yeah. partial reckoning, an incomplete reckoning, um, just scratching the surface reckoning. Mm. Um, yeah. But I don't want to spend all of my time um, rehashing all of the all of everything but knowing that you can't you, you can't move forward truly until we deal with a lot of stuff so yeah i yeah. i so the popular term in, in today's lexicon <laughs> is deconstruction i have yeah i have endless thoughts <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, endless. <laughs> I I know some of your thoughts but I'm assuming there are many many that you have not shared <laughs> truly um it's, no. a, it's a treasure unending of thoughts it's a, you're reaching <laughs> that hat and woo, where's the bottom oh, yeah. Got um <laughs> but for today keeping it you know keeping it right keeping it tight is um 
something that I appreciate is when thinking about deconstruction, it is kind of the banner over it and under it seems to be people who have been wounded by the church in some way, wounded by Christianity, who are questioning, who are doubting, who are unbelieving, who are, you know, disentangling some things, right? And they are, they are trying to seek, some people are just trying to seek peace, right? They're trying to yeah. seek a refuge. They're not even asking for answers. They're like, I just want um, the chaos to stop in my life, you know, that maybe evangelical Christianity cause them or from the, the broad stream of Christianity, it's not only evangelicalism. Um, but something that I have seen, there's a lot of toxicity, uh, that can resist, rest in that movement. Uh, there's a lot of racism that's still embedded, even as people, um, are breaking free of one religious, uh, oppression. But what I appreciate uh, about this book, how you posture yourself is, that you're asking questions. You are admitting that I am jaded, right? Like that, that's this book, right? Yeah. You know, the other book, that journey to becoming a heretic, that's like a subversive tongue in cheek, but also like you have things that you're questioning, dismantling. Uh, but I appreciate in the can't seem to let it go. What I observe is it would be easier for you to just blast uh, Christianity, and then just say, I'm done with spirituality in general, right? Like you have been through some traumatic things, uh, truly. Uh, there seems to be this can't seem to let it go dimension that I really appreciate this ability to hold tension that you know, you have been vocal about like, hey, I do, <laughs> me and God are on time out. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at with that, but that journey still questioning, still uh, ingesting different spiritual leaders, that tension is so uh, unusual. So talk about that piece and your deconstructed piece, because I think it is easier to just say, okay, I'm done. Like, I don't even need to think about it. It's just done. Yeah, I... I want to say part of the reason that has been how I do it is because my anti-racism journey started before I started doing all this quote unquote deconstructing stuff. So mm. I, my, that started when, um, when my ex-husband now and I, um, joined a church plant that our friend who is a black man was starting a multi-ethnic church in our city. So this is back in 2009. So we started that. We, I mean, that was like a huge wake up call. And even for a while there, it was like, Oh, let's just all get together and do church together. And, um, and I won't, I mean, I'm not going to critique that church or any of that. Um, but a lot of times it did feel like let's get different colors of people together and and start another white church <laughs> like we we tried and our many thoughts on awesome. multi-ethnic <laughs> movement yeah. too but we yeah. go keep it cute <laughs> <laughs> so our our pastor an awesome man loved him and his family um 
but so that kind of was first. And then it, for me, when, when Trayvon Martin was killed in, in, in 2012, that is when um, I woke up. I had a black friend who was a newish friend from the church who asked on Facebook, why aren't any of my white friends talking about Trayvon Martin? And I thought, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I, th I must have Googled it then. And I see this story. And then that just let, like, I literally had no idea, like not just no idea about Trayvon Martin, no idea about police brutality, no idea, all of, it was just so brand new to me. And so that's when that all started for me. And as far as the beliefs that I had and taking the Bible literally and not taking it literally, all of that, that came after. And so what, what I just feel really, really strongly about, and I try to say this a lot in Jaded, is that I can only speak for me and I can only speak for the the brand of Christianity that I grew up with, that I subscribe to, um, and that's white evangelical Christianity. And I can I can throw that out, but I can't throw out a whole <laughs> a whole thing called Christianity. As I'm reading mm. all these authors and I'm learning history and I'm reading history, U.S. history from Black people's perspective. And I'm reading about enslaved people who made Christianity their own. And I'm reading about these spirituals and I'm reading about that is not the same. That's not even the same thing that I, wow, yeah. it's the difference of an oppressor religion and the religion of the oppressed. And, and while they have similarities and they're using the same Bible, it's totally, absolutely like completely different. Um, and so then it, it, it's interesting to me how I, so I've read so many, I've read the Bibles through like, I want to say 15 times, maybe 20 times over the course of my life. I have done Bible studies. I've read books. I know so much about the Bible. Well, <laughs> come to find out what I know about the Bible is how white people <laughs> in the United States have interpreted the Bible. And so when whenever I hear anything these days written in that vein, I'm instantly either completely bored or completely turned off or I want nothing to do with it. And yet somehow you got someone like Dr. Will Gaffney and I read Womanist Midrash and I'm like devouring it where the same, the same verses in the Bible and yet it's a whole new world. And that just like, blows my mind. It completely blows my mind. So I, I can't let it go. And it's people, mm. I mean, it is womanist theologians really that will get the part that they, they are the reason that I cannot let Christianity as a whole go. Mm. And then people like you and Trey, like you're another part of why I, I, because there's something there that still appeals to me i i don't i don't know yeah don't that know. that ability to hold that uh is so rare it's beautiful uh to say hey i'm really done on this end but then there's this open wonder 
um, even if it's just a spark, there's enough here for me to try to mine out this curiosity to uh, to ask these questions, to say, hey, maybe I I don't have all of it. Who, if I could tell all you know, especially white people as they're deconstructing, hold a little space for the the wonder. Um, and you do that so well. And it reminds me, you know, you just mentioned uh, Rachel Held Evans. I have such a fond place within my heart for her. Uh, I truly know if she would have lived, we would really be good friends. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I have known that. Yeah. And um, she, she would say this phrase all the time on the days when I believe this. Oh, and yeah. And it was just such a beautiful uh, posture. I don't even want to cry. I. <laughs> it was just so moving to me um, because she was very open about the way she could believe and not believe in the same mm-hmm. hour. <laughs> like she, yeah, yeah. I believe. I do not believe at all. And there's just such a. Um, there's a beauty in life with people who are that transparent enough to say, um, you catch me on the w- wrong day, I'm an atheist. Uh, yeah. Or the right day, depending on how you view it. Um, you, yeah, catch yeah. On, you catch me on another day and I'm like, mm, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Look at God, right? And just that uh, transparency to not have all the answers is beautiful. Yeah. And I think what, what I've realized is none of us know... <laughs> We don't really know God. Like we don't know who Truly. God is. We, right. I, I mean, I thought the whole time, like I, I know who God is. It says right here, this is who God is. And then realizing that I just really don't even know. So there are pieces that don't make sense to me. The whole, the whole God being all powerful and omniscient and then good, but then allowing suffering. Like I have a poem in the book about, I don't understand. Like you delivered people, you delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians where they were enslaved, but why did you not do that for enslaved Africans for however many years? Like, mm-hmm. and then for people to say, well, it eventually happened. I, I don't. That, that's not that. a good enough answer. That's not, <laughs> that's not, that, and, and why are we where we are now? Like, why is why is everything still complete? Like it's so unfair and so unjust and so wrong. Why is it still Hmm. like that? And I'm, that's the part for me personally, that I'm not anybody who's saying God is so good. God is good all the time. That fine. You can have that. I don't, I don't buy that anymore. Like that's not, that's not working for me. Like Mm -hmm. I have friends, they're little, daughter died last year and that's not working for me like there's no that's not I (laughs) so that's probably my biggest hang up right now and again it's not even that I've been wounded or I've been hurt and I I tell people this a lot that I feel really lucky that I didn't leave the church um or start deconstructing or start whatever because I was being hurt It, it was other people um, my black friends, my gay friends, my Muslim friends, th- that it was for them. Now, have I been hurt? Yeah. A lot of, and a lot of things have happened to me, but that's not why it wasn't, it wasn't 
because of that. And I forget where I was going with that. But <laughs> no, I love but. it. I love it. Um, you know, that that reminds me of of one poem uh, in your book, you know, just that question, this isn't working for me. I love the range of emotions that you express in this book uh, through poetry and, you know, different subversive ways. One of them, Holy Anger Liberates, um, uh. is is really cool to me. Um, uh, if you want to read it, go ahead. <laughs> Do you know what page it's on? Because I don't. Um... I have the digital copy, so it's 21. <laughs> so I'm 77. So I don't know what. 21. It's okay, towards the me, beginning of towards the beginning of the book. Um... It's right after like the shape of a book. <laughs> oh yeah, got it. All right. Hmm. Holy anger liberates. As a white woman. The deepest rage is not mine to feel. White people have long demonized black anger, Cole Arthur Riley says. Anger is never holier than when it acts in defense of another being's dignity. When righteous anger swells, so does justice. Black rage is a gift I want to honor. Mm, I love that. Talk about, about the anger piece. I think, you know, obviously in a lot of strains of like, spirituality in general not just christianity but that's where we're located for this conversation is um there's this thought of anger um needing to divorce yourself from anger um and then on the flip side people try to find like biblical reasons why you can be angry and they're trying mm -hmm. to find like these verses that give them permission to be angry and you're just like for me, what I found is I don't need the Bible's permission to feel a feeling. I just, oh yeah, I just be feeling them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> People like the biblical yeah. basis for anger. I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> I be angry. <laughs> like, yes, like, right. Or yes. like the biblical uh, basis for depression. So that means mm -hmm. that people can be depressed. Yo, people will be depressed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. So talk about this anger uh, that liberates. Um, That poem specifically. So Cole Arthur Riley, who I know you love and she, uh, like I love her book. I mean, Cole just, Arthur like, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to come on your podcast again and just talk about all the books and the authors that we love. Like, just yeah, truly, but, yeah. Uh, and what's so exciting, this is a little side note, but I cannot tell you how giddy I am that we live in 2023 and there's this internet thing and I can send messages to people who I quote in the book and say, um, I quoted you in my book. Can I send you a copy? And they're like, yeah, here's my address. Cool. Arthur Riley being one of them. And I'm just like, yeah. this is so like, it's just, but the, the, the anger piece and what I wanted to be clear about, which is why I started talking about as a, a white woman the deepest rage is not mine to feel um something that I would never have known about years ago is the idea of the angry black woman um something that's super common to me now and I I hear it a lot and I I understand that that wasn't something that was it was not on my radar but knowing how often and not just black women um but black people in in general um that, and I'm generalizing here, but but responding to racism in any way, like with any kind of anger, than just being labeled as 
an angry black woman, angry black person. And, and see, now that I'm aware of it and just seeing it everywhere, like everywhere, every time, always, and just how, how disgusting, how wrong it is to, to put that label on. Um, and then Cole talking about anger, she has a whole chapter about anger in the book. And like you were saying, you don't need the Bible's permission, um, but you can find the permission for so much anger. I mean, anytime there's injustice, that's what the Bible, that's where the anger in the Bible is, anger against injustice. And mm-hmm. that's, um, yeah, so I kind of, I, I wanted to make it clear that I am angry about some things and I'm fine with that and I'm going to feel that and I'm going to be that and I'm going to use my angry words, um, but also realizing that that's a different level even of a, a, a black woman like Cole, that's a different level of anger. Mm. That's it. If we're, if we're comparing, it's an even more... <laughs> righteous valid anger mm. than than my anger would be and i everything i've read everything i've learned all the people i've met over the last few years after my after i woke up to injustice of all kinds um i just want everybody to know that like i want every so this book is my way of <laughs> I don't know. It's a constant struggle. I know you feel that too, where you have all of these things in you, you know, all of these things, you feel all of these things. Mm. How do you convey that? How do you convince people? Sometimes it's not worth it. Um, But I just wanted, (laughs) I just wanted to make sure that I was clear on that, that I am 100% in full support of black woman anger, even though black women do not need my full support. That that is irrelevant. Um, But yeah, I just mm. wanted to to make that point and to show the difference between um, yeah, I like anger that. that I feel even on behalf of people and anger they feel um, themselves. So, mm. so yeah, yeah, no, I love that, and I love throughout the book I can see where you do that uh, com- almost contrasting things. You're like where you give full honor to who you are, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, but you're like that's not the end of the story, right? There are all these things that you are kind of putting within the frame of this book. And there's this range of things. It's not only am I deconstructing my thoughts on God, it's it's some of that, it's rage, it's pain, it's pointing to the plight of others. And in, 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 in really to, to what you said at the top of the show is you saw how other people were being treated. You saw how other people um, got the short end of the stick. And so there are things in here for the disabled and about the disabled, right? About the Mm -hmm. queer community, all these things that I think is really rich, right? So this is like, um, it's a smorgasbord in here. (laughs) (laughs) That's just things in here. There are things specifically to Black people, about Black people. There's uh, these justice-related things. There's your own questions, there's your own anger, you know, all these things. So I, yeah, just speak to that. You know, the, it's like, it's a rainbow, so to speak, of thing <laughs> across this whole book. Yeah, because that's, that's who I am. Like, it's just, I, there's a lot of parts 
to me, a lot of pieces that go together, a lot of things that I'm mm -hmm. passionate about. And that thread, I mean, the, the thread in there is, is love. And how yeah. do people feel loved? Um, and that, and I have a poem at the end of the book about my dream, my big dream being that everyone would feel loved and celebrated for who they are. And and that's the thing that I'm realizing that Christianity, my experience in it is we suck at that. Like it's, there's no, there's no room for celebrating who you are. It's like, you're a wretched worm who needs God. And without God, you're yeah. nothing, you're trash. And it's, <laughs> that's so messed up and so twisted. I'm seeing now how it's being used to keep people in their place it's used to mm. to call people enemies i mean if you can if if you see things in terms of good and evil and christians are good and everybody else is evil then your your somali refugee neighbor is the enemy it's they're evil they are not they're not one of you so i just all of those parts i just wanted they just have all been part of my journey and when you brought up um the disabled community, that was something that I did not mention one single time in Unbelieve. And I, I read a poem about that, how it, there was, I read a book years ago called The Hole in Our Gospel. And it was about how, if we don't have an answer for people in poverty, like, oh, just accept Jesus and go to heaven while you starve here on earth, <laughs> then that's a hole in our gospel. And I say that there's a hole in this justice journey that I had been on for years uh -huh. And that was the um, the disabled community and disability justice. And it's because it it just wasn't on my radar. And what why wasn't it on my radar? Privilege. Privilege, same what the same reason I didn't know when young black men were gunned down the street. Didn't have to know. It wasn't, didn't affect me. Um, and I I'm I have a few disabled friends, but I'm not with them in person. So it's it's easy for me to just quote unquote forget that they're disabled because we just talk online. And mm -hmm. so this was this huge thing. Um this group of wonderful, beautiful, amazing people who are not being celebrated for who they are, who are not being given the space to to thrive. Um and so it's again it opened up even more to me and i know that i will be on this journey for the rest of my life i hope i get to live a lot more years because i have a lot more <laughs> i need mm. to to learn about people's stories that i want to hear people i want to meet um but yeah as it, as far as a smorgasbord that's what it is i i hope my hope is that it um that it's also cohesive that it does like fit together and you can see how it's all just part mm -hmm. of that. But I think that um, at, my experience with white evangelical Christianity was that I, there's so much I missed. I didn't see, there's so much I did not see. I was really in a bubble of not, um, of not seeing people, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, we lived in a, and an apartment complex in, in 2014 that was primarily Somali refugees. And I was still pretty, pretty evangelical Christian at that time. Um, but those friends changed my life. Like we had 
that's another whole story. But my ex-husband had had a heart attack. He lost his job. We lost our house. We had to move into this apartment. It was the only place we could afford. It's like 800 square feet. We had five people. Um, and there might have been a couple other white families, but it was mostly just us. And so we're on the third floor in this balcony. And I'd watch here my white daughters like playing soccer out here with, it was literally kids from Nepal and Eritrea and Somalia. It was mm. amazing. But we had no money. And my refugee friends would invite us over for this big meal on their living room floor. This was I had done lots of ministry stuff, like homeless ministry or whatever. This was, <laughs> I was being ministered to. And these people did not have Jesus in their heart. And they, it, it just changed everything for me. So many things changed everything. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the people who have, who have shown me the most love have been people who back in the day, I would have seen as enemies. Um, mm because they did not share my faith and my rigid belief system. And so it opened up a whole new world. So when I, I try to tell people, yes, it's scary when you, you question things or leave your faith or leave your faith community or whatever. It is so freaking beautiful. Like it's beautiful and freeing. And I think that's what has, um, going back to, womanist theologians or people like you who mm -hmm. I have a lot of Christian friends who I mean I have pastor friends like Trey for example like mm -hmm. he, we are friends he's a pastor and yet we I have a connection with him because he is driven by love and so am I <laughs> and so what he believes about the Bible or what I believe about the Bible it's not quite as relevant um as the fact that I trust him and his heart. Mm. And I see that. Whereas so many other Christians that are so dogmatic and have this literal interpretation, I, I don't see love coming from them. I don't see yeah. them wrapping their arms around people. I see them, if they're kind to people who aren't Christians, I see this agenda behind it, like yeah. trying to figure out how can we convert them? How can we get them on our side? And I'm just done with that. Like I... I'm pretty good now at being able to tell <laughs> which Christians I could hang out with and which ones I just, I, I, I can't. So. Mm, I love that. I, you know, that love ethic that binds us together is, is something that I am, uh, I talk about often, right? Yeah, that, you do. That's, you know, <laughs> that's my anchor in, you know, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, like that is what I am focused on. And yeah, yeah. So I love that. And I want to close and I want to read uh, one of my favorite uh, little poems from the book. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, it's called It's Personal. Um, and uh, you write, it's not a religion. It's a relationship. They told me, well, that sure is a hell of a lot of rules for a relationship. And I love it because of just you're able to pack um, a lot of meaning into a few words and I carry that with me um, even as I practice a, an expansive view of Christianity but for me this kind of points to that lack of love that you were talking about 
and it's like you're you're illuminating this hey there's a lot there's a lot of rules for you saying it's a relationship <laughs> and uh, oh it's not y'all sure it's a relationship because that that might point to why a lot of y'all relationships is hell um <laughs> yeah that's my interpretation <laughs> oh, Ooh, okay man. you you might be right that's saying something about the relationships in that in, in that uh community um but i really 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 um think about that smorgasbord of of, of poems and thoughts that you have in this book and this buffet it feels good because I feel like in Christianity we're constantly trying to put things into boxes of belief that are rigid and this book is like everything's out on the table all those boxes are unpacked you know it's all on the table you're like come and get it you know we could talk about it we can verse about it we can think about it we can cry and so yeah, in closing, I just want to say thank you for the time it took you to write this and how intentionally you crafted this in order to not hurt people um, and to compound pain. I just really want to say thank you. And I want to say thank you to you. And for people who read the book, oh, let me check and make sure of the page. Um, there is a poem on page... 302, 302, when words fail. And it starts, my friend, a black man read through a rough draft of this book. And that friend is Robert. I did not mention <laughs> your name, but <laughs> you, and I'll just let people read that. And then the poem on the next page was my response to your poem. Mm. Um, and then another thing you told me after you read it, um, <laughs> I remember you saying, it starts out really spicy and then you kind of calm down at the end. And so I wrote another poem in response to that, uh, why, mm. why it might've been spicy at the beginning and a little calmer at the end. Um, but yes, thank you so much for just who you are, for all that you do. And I like sometime, promise me you will have me back on and we can talk about our favorite black women authors <laughs> listen don't play because, with it I, <laughs> no because i i, I me this, with a good time I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah so you i know have been called or called yourself or other people call you a book evangelist and i heard you on <laughs> one of your podcast episodes you said book harasser yeah, and one of, my, one of my friends called me her book pusher and I was like yes <laughs> this is I, I want to be all of those things like that if I have a title it needs to be like book pusher book harasser book evangelist <laughs> whatever that is I, I can I I mean I cannot tell you how much joy that fills me with just to I love to read I love words I love what people think and just my whole world has been opened up and I just want everybody to experience that. And um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for reading my book, for helping me, giving me some feedback and um, for inviting me on here to chat. And I just think the world of you. Mm, thank you so much. Black Coffee and Theology Pod is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. 
If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for, for our Patreon at patreon.com slash three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.